For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come and You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 60 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line once again is Carl. Cole, I hope all is well, mate. And how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good, Dan. And again, looking forward to getting our Tottenham therapy out of the way tonight. James is off on a scouting trip this evening, which means it's time to hand out another debut cap. And it's one that goes to Dexter McQueen. So, Dexter, it's a pleasure to have you on board. I hope you are well and looking forward to chatting all things Tottenham. Yeah, it's great to be on, mate. Um, always a pleasure to talk about Tottenham. Fantastic. And I'm also delighted to announce that we're joined by another former Tottenham legend this evening, and it's none other than Mickey Hazard. So, Mickey, thank you for your time, and I hope you're also looking forward to chatting all things Spurs. To be honest, I'm only on you because Arsenal are on telly and I don't want to watch. <laughs> That's absolutely fine with us. We'll, we'll take that. We, uh, <laughs> right, so before we chat all things uh, Tottenham, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so, so we can dissect Saturday and more in full. So, as always... Don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C-O-Y-S underscore C-O-M. And we're on all the major audio platforms, which is Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc, etc. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is the fact that we have an FA Cup fourth round replay on the horizon. And we'll talk about the game in more detail in just a moment. But first, Cole, what do you think of the draw and who potentially awaits us on the road to Wembley? Yeah, I think that's um, a decent draw, isn't it? You know, if you get drawn at home, I think, you know, I fancy us against anybody, to be fair. So a home draw against Norwich, you know, having just beaten them recently, I, I kind of feel confident if we beat Southampton, we can we can progress a little bit further. And then the dream of the FA Cup is on, isn't it? Absolutely. Right, let's focus on the game itself now. And Mickey, although victory was snatched away late on, there were certainly some positives to take from the game. And none more so, I feel, than the positive performance of Giovanni Lo Celso. And I guess also the fact that it looks like we're going to be signing him on a permanent basis. So is the Argentine finally starting to flourish in Spurs colours? Yeah, I think he's been a little bit unlucky in that obviously there's been a lot of evil since he arrived. When he did arrive, he wasn't getting played um, or getting little 10-minute stints here and there. And, and obviously you're not getting match fit when you do that. Uh, and because there's no reserve side nowadays... Uh, when you're not playing, you're sitting around on the bench and just training. And no matter how hard you train, it doesn't get you match fit. You know, that match sharpness that you required. So it's great to see him getting a run in the side. But more importantly, it's great to see in the flair, the creativity. But, but added to that, the incredible amount of hard work that he gets through. So, yeah, he's been an absolute sensation, certainly the last two games. Of course, Dexter, there were some negatives. And one of those was not getting the job done. So in this sort of last few days... A lot of people have been clamouring for cup replays to be scrapped. Are you an advocate for that? Would you like to see things get done on the day or do you prefer the second bite of the cherry? No, I, I, I'm quite happy with the, the replays, really. I mean, I know that some people um, don't agree with it because they think it's you know, just a, a bit of a waste of time. But, um, I mean, if you look at it for, like, um, Shrewsbury Town yesterday, um, they got another replay. So, for them, it's massive. So, it's, it's all part of the magic of the cup. I mean, I just, I've grown up with watching the FA Cup um, you know, getting the replays. If you do get a bit of a dodgy result, if you get a draw, you get a bit of a reprieve in the replays. I'm, I'm all for them. I don't think they should be scrapped at all. So, Cole, you could argue, had Tottenham been a bit more ruthless, certainly in the first half, then, you know, it would have been a different story and a replay would have been a moot point. So, early on, Hume Min Song drags a shot, one of the posts, you know, perhaps a guilt edge chance. 
That said, it did at least set the tempo for the first 45 minutes, didn't it? Yeah, I felt we played really well on Saturday in that first half. You know, I think that's the best we've probably played in the last few weeks. You know, there was a little bit of confidence, the, the football, attacking football. There was that little bit more zip and, you know, some of those first-time counter-attacks that we've got so used to over the last few years, you know, with pace, one-touch passing, you know, no real messing around, getting it forward as quick as possible. And, uh, you know, in that first half, we really could have, you know, buried the game and made it safe, you know, had some real guilt-edged chances, a couple of good saves from the keeper, a couple of poor misses, you might say, you know, from the sort of positions we were in. But I think that comes from players that are not really playing, you know, full confidence in front of goal. Um, but those signs that we saw in that first half were really encouraging because that was a little bit of the old, you know, Spurs we'd seen from a few seasons ago with a football. So I, I took quite a lot of comfort out of that first half performance. And Mickey, as a former midfielder yourself, we've got a question from Martin Dolan and he asks... What do we do as a club and how do we get more cohesion in the middle of the park? Oh, I think it's about personnel. I think if you pick the right personnel um, and you get the balance correct, um, and we mustn't forget that the, the new manager has not been in that long and trying to find that balance in midfield. We've had one or two injuries as well. Um, so it, it's about a balance. You know, I, I remember the team that I played in. We had Ozzy Ardiles sitting in front of the back four, Glenn Oddle just slightly to the right, Tony Galvin, on the left and, and me sort of behind the front two. Um, so it was a really nice balance. Ozzy was someone who could read the game really well, wasn't the biggest or the strongest, but he, but he used to nick all the balls off the opponent because he, he read the game so well. And then he would feed Glenn, feed me, we would feed Tony, etc. Uh, and there was a lovely balance to it. And, and, and this is uh, maybe something that we've struggled with this season. We've been a little bit unbalanced in the centre of the park. Um, um, we... But I agree with Dexter that on Saturday there were signs there that we're starting to rediscover ourselves, that, that, that football that we've become renowned for over the last four or five years. Um, it, it was good to see that some of the one-touch passing and moving was lovely. The Celso attacking players, committing them, and then rolling someone else in space. Um, it was lovely to see. And yeah, it's correct that if we took our chances, um, and this has been a problem for a little while now, not just this season, last season too, that when we don't take our chances, we always leave ourselves open to the sucker punches, which is exactly what happened. But again, touching on what happened, you know, we have to learn how to manage these games out at 1-0, um, you know, and you've sort of controlled the game really and should have, should have had it sort of dead and buried. But even if you don't, 1-0 should be enough to win it for a good side like Spurs. Um, and, and, and sort of on the edge of the box, last minute of the game, there's only one place that ball's got to go. It happened against Manchester City in the Champions League last season. Luckily, we got away with it with VAR. Uh, this time, we didn't. Um, we're fortunate that we've got a replay. I, I, I like the replay at this time because um, Jurgen Klopp doesn't like it, so I've decided I like it. Um, <laughs> but, but in terms of um, the game, you know what you've got to remember is there's a team that goes away from home and they play on the opponent's ground. And if they fight out a draw and scrap and fight and dig and, and chase and hurry and, and they earn a draw, why shouldn't they take it back to their ground? That that then gives the home side the advantage. So um, I'm sort of not sure whether we should do away with replays or not. I get why they want to, but I'm not sure because you know you've got to win earned a, a great point. If you go to extra time, extra time, the team that had the home draw is still at home. Um, so I'm not sure. So, Dexter, if we stay on the topic of midfielders, what did you think of Jetson Fernandez's full debut in Tottenham Colours? Um, he did all right. He, um, I think he's, he's going to be one of those um, players that's going to take a bit of time. 
uh, to get used to the uh, the Premiership and playing uh, for us. Um, he's we what he's had about ten minutes here or there so far. I mean, it's not enough sort of time to give to sort of um, judge him yet. Um, he did he did okay. He was tidy. Um, made some good passes. Made some good interceptions. Um, but I think yeah, you've got to give him time. He's only just, he's only just come in. It's a whole different culture to him. Uh, he's he's going to take a little bit of time for him to come on. But I think he overall did all right. Um, I haven't really, really any sort of thing I can really pick out at the moment. So at the moment, yeah, he did all right. But um, he seems to give him a bit more time. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, Dexter. So Cole, we spoke about guilt edge charts just a moment ago, and Lucas Mora arguably guilty of also not slotting home. Now you could quite easily point fingers at him, but at the same time, how much credit do you have to give to, to the Southampton goalkeeper for making what was a decent save? Yeah, I think that's one of those, isn't it? If you're a goalkeeper, you can't lose from where you know from where the shots come from because if you're beaten, then you know obviously you expect the striker to score from there. And if you just get a toe to it like he did, then you're a hero, aren't you? Um, unfortunately, it is just the toe that gets there. You know, if it goes in, then it's a brilliant finish, isn't it? So I don't think there can be too much you can criticise Mora for. He did everything right leading up to it, um, and and he keeps calm and he's just about to try and slot it. But you know, unlucky, you know, unfortunately for us, the goalkeeper just manages to spread himself and get that toe. Um, you know, if you're hypercritical, you you could want to say that from there you shouldn't really be giving the keeper a chance to save it. But you know, keepers do. You know, it's, it's the luck of the draw, isn't it? They can spread themselves nice and wide, um, and most of these goalkeepers are now six foot five. So when they spread themselves, they cover a lot of the goal. Um, just an unfortunate one, you know. On another day, that goes in eight times out of ten. Uh, and we yes. uh, make it more comfortable. So I don't think you can kind of criticise at that point. It wasn't like he blew it over the bar or hits it and it goes out nearly for a corner. It was on target. You know, another day that goes in and he's a hero. Can I just so, say something on that? Yeah, sure. yeah go for it. I, I think that if we watch Mura and, and, and it's happened sort of two or three, maybe four times, that, that he's through on goal and he chooses the same option. And I like the option that he chooses, um, but it's obvious to me that any goalkeeper is going to spread himself as big as possible yeah um so you either shoot a touch earlier um which then widens the angle that you, that the goalie's got to stretch or you just dink it a couple of feet yeah, you know if, if you dink it a couple of feet it won't hit his foot because he, he's spreading himself his foot foot on the floor and you just dink it over him and it goes in you know because he's he's doing wonderfully well to get in there and it's 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 having sort of did so well to get in, create the opportunity, and then take it, take it in there, and, and, and for the life of me, he deserves a goal. And then he just hits it along the floor, which gives the keeper the best chance of saving it. You know, with that little dink, he scores every time. And, and it's something that maybe you should watch and learn yeah. for future reference, yeah. so he's not he's not continuously repeating the same thing because goals will just keep spreading themselves. I'll always remember Mickey when he played for us. Gary Lineker was brilliant at that. Yeah, on a one-on-one. It demands yeah, time for you to remember Gary Lineker think it over the goalkeeper. Just that, as you say, just that couple of feet in the air yeah. over the keeper's leg or arm, and it yeah. you know, and it goes in. He was brilliant. At it. You know the composure that guy had in, in one-on-one situations was amazing. Um, and like as you say, yeah, maybe that is something Mora does look for that kind of you know right side of the goal, trying to curl it in with his right foot. So yeah. you know maybe uh, does need and, to and it's all part part of your own development that you know you've got to develop your own game and and if you're getting in such wonderful positions and missing then you need to examine what you're doing 
and, and, and then choose something different or add to what you're doing. Um, so then the keeper gets in two minds because he knows, well, he can dink it or he can hit it along the floor, you know, um, and that way he'll get more goals. Mickey, if I stay with you then, in terms of Lucas, is he not trying these other options because of a lack of confidence and composure perhaps? Um, I don't think so. I think that it's... Um, I think he's working his socks off. Some of his, his for a little guy, he's, he's so strong and, and competitive. I think his confidence is high, or it must, it should be, because he's playing regularly in the team. Like, you know, under Pochettino, um, he was often off on on the bench or coming off the bench for ten minutes or so, fifteen minutes. So of course, he's, your confidence wavers when that's happening. But I think that he's been a regular under Mourinho. I think that he's doing. I don't think he's doing great. Not as good as he should be. Um, with his talent, um, but um, his confidence shouldn't be affected because he's playing every week in the team, um, and that's that should be more than enough to give you the confidence to go out there and play and give it, when that situation arises, try anything you want because at the end of the day, a keeper is paid to save it. So if so, if if someone saves it, then you know it's credit to the keeper. Um, but I think he's got to try a little bit more than he does. Um, disguise his intentions a little bit more uh, and fool the keeper. That's the art to it is uh, give him the eyes, look one way, go the other or, or look like getting it along the floor, think it over him, you know. So disguise is, is the key. So Dexter, let's go to the other end of the pitch now. And I think it's fair to say that Southampton didn't have a great deal of chance in the first half, although at one point it looked like the ball was looping in. However, Jafet Tanganga was in the right place to carry out an amazing goal on clearance and you'd have to say credit once again goes to the young defender for another very solid performance. Yeah, he's, he's, as soon as he's come in, you kind of, when you watch him play, he just looks like he's been there for years. It's, um, I think we've got a bit of a knack of finding a good centre-halves. Uh, obviously, with um, uh, Ledley King and also the other uh, and a half that won't be named at the moment uh, <laughs> that came through, um, we, we do produce some quite good centre halves. And I think he literally he's um, he, he looks like he's, he's he, he listens a lot to. Um, I think Ledley King said that he's, he's talked to him a lot, um, and he obviously he's taken on board. And he looks strong. He's physical. Uh, he doesn't back out of a challenge. Um, he's quite commanding, even though he's so young, um, and he. he He's, he's at the moment. He's kind of given us some very good options because he can play centre, um, obviously centre back, and he's, he can play right back and left back. Uh, and when he played, I can't remember what game it was, but he's, I think it was the cup game, um, one before Southampton, where he just literally got the ball. I think it was, it, was it um, Norwich? That was the, yeah, and he just he ran down the, like, the end of the game. He literally ran down the other end of the pitch and crossed it in. He, he, he's fast. He's strong. He's quick. I like him. I think he's um, he's going to be our future um, captain. I really, I really do. I think he's, he's got that. Um, I think he's got him to be our future captain. So, Mickey, if we stay on the subject of that particular player, when do you see him moving into an actual centre back role? Because obviously he's sort of playing all over the back four at the moment, filling gaps where needed. But you do get the feeling eventually he will take up that preferred position. How many seasons down the road will that be? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's very important that we don't. Um fall into the trap of making him a jack-of-all-trades um, because he's got the potential to be very good at one. Um, you know, you wouldn't change Gary Lineker into a right winger, would you? No. Um, you know, so um, let's not make him a jack-of-all-trades by moving him here, there and everywhere. Um, ultimately, he's up against pretty stiff competition in, in Toby and Jan, and while they haven't been at their best for a little while, 
uh, the signs that they're coming back, and, and then you've got Sanchez as well. So it's a it's a tough time for them to break through. But um, and while there's uh, while they are playing, I mean left back, right back, he's getting first team experience. But one day they're going to have to say, right, this kid's for me. Let's nail down a position for him and let's play him there. Because ultimately, when you talk about experience, you know, you only get experience by playing. Um, it's not done by age. You know, we can't wait till he's 24, 25, um, because he still won't have any experience. So we've got to play him and ultimately play him in the position that we see him long term. Is he tall enough to be a top match centre back? Not sure. Um, and right back might end up because I was very impressed with them against Norwich. Uh, you know, when he got down that line in the last minute and put that cross in, he sort of did that most of the game. So I think right back might, in the end, be his position, um, only because he maybe he's not tall enough to um, be a, a fully fledged centre back. So, uh, but at least he's got the option because he looks a very, very good young player. So, Carl, we spoke about Lo Celso at the start of the show and how um, you know he had a great performance. He was also integral to the build-up of our goal. So one that was expertly slotted home by Sun. Now, obviously, the South Koreans scored the winner against Norwich in midweek, but this was a more, how should we say, Sun-esque kind of goal. Is that the one that will hopefully restore his confidence? Yeah, you hope so, don't you? Because it, it was a typical Sun finish, wasn't you know, on the counter, play him in, and, you know, there was that confidence there to take the touch and drill it into the corner. And as you say, great run from Lacelso at the start of the game. That's kind of, if you like, you know, that's the kind of clips we were seeing of him when we got him on loan, wasn't it, in Real Betis? You know, those deep runs from midfield. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to see him doing more often. And he clearly is capable of it. Um, and as you say, great ball to Son. We get in. Um, there was a little bit of a hairy moment because when you're seeing VAR come into play, and obviously first they check that offside and that's clear, but then there did look like the suspicion we were going to get it ruled out because they looked like, you know, they were checking if Deli Alley had kind of cleared the defender out um, before the ball gets to Son that maybe stops that defender getting across. And I have to admit, on the first couple of views, I'm sitting there thinking, ah, oh, there does look like there could be, you know, two arms from Delhi in the back of the defender. And, you know, knowing our luck, we'll get this ruled out. But went our way, but great finish. And as you say, hopefully that's the one that can give Sonny that bit of confidence and get his morale high again, because he has been one again over the last couple of weeks. has kind of been suffering a little bit with his form. I don't think Kane being out has helped, because I think a lot of sides are now doubling up on him and kind of knowing, right, we need to stop this guy as soon as he gets the ball, because if we let him get a run on us and get that build-up, that momentum running with the ball, he's impossible to stop sometimes. And, you know, unfortunately, I think he's just been kind of earmarked by most teams, like definitely stop this guy when he gets gets the ball straight away um, and hopefully you know that, that confidence will get him back flying again. So you mentioned VAR, that was going to be my next question to Mickey. So Mickey, obviously you didn't have VAR when you were a player, is it something that you would have liked? Do you think it's a, a blight on the game? Are we good for it? Obviously I think it made the right decisions at the weekend, we also had a goal chalked off for a very tight offside that hit Sun's ankle, so you know it didn't really disgrace itself at the weekend but it didn't really cover itself with too much glory in terms of the time it took either. So what's your stance on all things VAR? Um, I absolutely ate it. Really? Um, I see I see why we are attempting to bring something like that into the game. But I think it's important that the referee refs the game, number one. Um, and I think that um, the time that it's taken is quite shocking, number one. And number two, it's interfering in referees' decisions. You know, I, I think that... Um, it should be fact-based 
fact-based decisions should be what VAR's used for, not opinionated ones. Because how can a ref sitting in wherever he's sitting, watching TV, um, because if you analyse any challenge long enough, you'll find a foul. That's a fact. Right. So I don't think it's offsides. Is it over the goal line or not? Um, was it handball or not? These type of, and, and not ridiculous handballs like they're doing, but these type of decisions are often opinionated. Opinionated is what they're using it for. Um, and I think that's the ref's job. The ref makes his decision. Maybe we should say the ref should refer it. Um, whereas VAR look at everything nowadays. I also like the idea of uh, tennis, cricket, where you get two or three, two, two uh, shout-outs in each half to say, are we challenged, you know? Um, ways to do it because it's just not working. It's, it's making the game, you know, like the, one of the games I was watching um, and we scored, I think it was the Norwich game, and then it went to VAR and I, I didn't even jump for the goal. You know, part of the joy of going to a football game is when your team scores, you're up in the air instantly, elated. And, you know, it's like a moment in time that you just, you're so overwhelmed. You just, you're so happy. But then I sat there and I thought, well, I'm not celebrating because it might get disallowed. You know, and then by the time it is given as a goal, that sort of overwhelming emotion to celebrate is sort of been sort of gone away a bit. You know, and I don't like that side of it. This is an emotional game. People love going to football because it's a, it gives them a freedom to celebrate and do as they please. Um, and it's been, they've been deprived of it in the modern day game, you know, and I don't like it. I, me, I wouldn't have it at all. I think um, part of the game is, it, you know, discussions after the game is all about VAR nowadays. You know, and we never talk about the, the unbelievable run that Lo Celso did uh, to create the goal for Son. You know, that's what I want to sit in the pub talking about. I don't want to sit in the pub talking about, oh, if VAR drew that out, oh, it would have been a joke. You know, no, I don't like it. Um, I get why there's a, a clamour for, for it, um, but I'm not one of them. So, Dexter, staying on the theme of celebrating, unfortunately, we couldn't celebrate a second. I know Sun had a sort of, let's say, half chance, but did we drop off? Was it a lack of a defensive midfielder acting as a screen, which then could soak up Southampton pressure? Because, you know, once it started coming, it was wave after wave, and then you do sort of think in the back of your mind, can we hold out? And obviously, that proved not to be the case. I think it's a case of a bit of both, Freddie. I mean, we do desperately need a, a defensive central midfielder. Um, but also, I've noticed um, in, a, in a few games now, um, we we start off well um, and we do, a bit, we do a bit of high press. Uh, and if we go or go up, we're comfortable, then we start dropping off. Um, I think we did it. Uh, we've done it a few times well I've noticed we, we just start dropping off uh, it's noticeably more in the second half than the first half first half we've got better whereas before we, we was always a bit slow we now we've reversed it first half we're more quicker uh, passing is better it's crisper um, we're you know closing down a bit more um, but second half if, if we've gone to go up especially we do sort of drop off and um, we, we, we desperately need um, a, a defensive midfielder. We have to get one in this window. Um, I know that um, I think um, Jedson was kind of supposed to be like that, but I don't think he's, he's going to be cut out for that role. Um, and at the moment, we're not being linked with anyone who's a defensive midfielder or nothing concrete at the moment, which is a bit of a worry because um, that is one area that we massively need to improve on um, because... If we don't, I mean, okay, it might be great going forward and uh, get get the goals, but 
if we can't hold out the back, it's pointless because I mean we're going to kind of revert back to the kind of the 90s where we go, you know, we score three goals but we can sort concede four. Um, although those games are great for the entertainment, I, I, my heart can't take it anymore to get away from that. Um, so we desperately do need a bit more defensive um, steel in that midfield, and um, it's let's wait and see what happens in this window. We've got what four four days left, maybe three days left. So hopefully that Levy can maybe sort of um, get someone in. I think as well, Dan, as Mickey said earlier, that comes down to game craft, doesn't it? Is where even though you need a defensive midfielder, at that point is where you need leaders on the pitch who turn around and say, right, listen, lads, there's a couple of minutes now to go. We don't do nothing silly here around the edge of our box or that, as Mickey said earlier, you know, it's seeing the game out and knowing to use your football brain as to like, there's a time to play and now there's just a time to actually Let's just get it in there half, you know, almost a bit of territory, a bit rugby-like. Let's get it down there half. We can regroup, push up a little bit, you know, close them down, shut them in in there half. And, and I think sometimes that's lacking, you know, maybe a little bit of naivety, just as kind of like, let's just keep trying to play football here. And sometimes you just need someone that experienced to say, right, listen, now we've got a couple of minutes. We just see this out, you know, the dark arts, if you like. Someone go down pull it out for a throw-in, take a little bit longer, collecting the ball, those kind of things. I think that's something that we've seen more this season, that we've kind of lost the knack of being able to do that. But you'd like to think, obviously, Jose coming in, that might be something that he'll try and implement on the squad. And as he gets the players he wants, then we might see that kind of bit of, say, game craft or tactics come into play a little bit more. Okay, that wraps up the uh, look back at the weekend. Let's now discuss the transfer window. And it's the last few days, as Dexter's just said, so hopefully there's going to be a rush of activity. More perhaps outs than ins. But, Mickey, by the time people listen to this, the Christian Eriksen saga, if we can call it that, will finally be over as he completes a move to Inter. So in your opinion, how will history treat the Dane during his time at North London? Uh, will, it, uh, will history treat uh, Christian? Yeah. Um, well, I hope um, that he's treated very well. Um, I understand the frustrations um, with him over the last maybe year because he hasn't performed to the level that he's capable of. But we can't forget that the guy was superb for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club um, and at times won games single-handedly. Um, um, so because he lost form or confidence or he stated, I think he maybe put a little bit too much pressure on himself when he stated he'd like to you know, try somewhere else. I don't think he was expecting the reaction that he got, um, and of co- consequently his form suffered. Um, and uh, and of course now that he's leaving, there's there's been a lot of um, bad things written about him. I, I've got to say that number one, I, I I think he was a very very good player for us, and number two, I think he's one of the nicest, loveliest guys you could wish to meet. And, and I feel very sad one that he's left, and two that. The way that he's left, in, in in the way that it's ended, because he should have been able to leave this football club um, and and decide whether Pastures New was great great for him or not, um, and still be revered because he's such a he was such a good player for us in what was um, a really really good four five six years uh, of watching us play um, under Pochettino. So I feel sad for for Ericsson, but I I hope and pray that when he does come back. He's welcomed with open arms and greeted with um, his name being sang because I feel he's earned it. So, Cole, the way this final season has panned out, has that left a bit of taste in the mouth, not just from a fan's point of view, but I guess also the player himself? 
Well, I think it's a bit like everything, isn't it? You kind of only remember the player sometimes that you're seeing here and now. Um, and you kind of, it's easy to forget the kind of good stuff that's come along or been done before that. Um, I, I think with Christian, you know, he, he was, you know, as you say, he have to go down and say he was brilliant for us. You know, a couple of seasons ago, he was one of the main driving forces pushing us towards those titles and great Champions League nights. Um, obviously, this season, you know, the way things have turned out and the way the season's gone, um, it's been, a, you know, there's been a lot to be left to be desired, obviously, with the way things have gone on. But we don't sometimes know everything that's going on in a player's life or circumstances surrounding it. Um, I think we just have to say, you know, he has been really good. Um, maybe he suffered from, you know, not having a challenge. Um, you know, obviously, as Mickey can account to, you know, there was times where Spurs have always had quite a lot of creative midfielders. And, you know, as Mickey just said there, reeled off the names that he played with. You know, if, if you lost one, you had two or three players that could come in and do a similar job to the player that had gone out. Whereas with Christian, he was our main man and you had to play him every week because he was your real creative spark and we never really had anyone to challenge him. And maybe he could have done with that challenge a bit sooner than it, you know, than it has this season with Lacelso. Um And it's understandable players drop off. You know, not everyone has great seasons all the time. Even the best, you know, Lineker will probably say he had a season where he didn't think he performed really well. And unfortunately for Christian, it's come as the club is looking to kind of rebuild itself, you know, um, and it's just unfortunate. But I think we do have to look back and say he gave us some great service. You know, he was great. He had some great memories and helped us achieve some great things. So good luck to him. Um, I, I think we can recover from this. I, I don't think he's a sort of player that you lose that you then kind of think, well, that's us done. I think we're able to recover. We've seen great signs with Celso coming in there and if, and if he gets that confidence and gets a good run of games, then I think we've got players there that we can kind of, you know, get by now. Christian's gone. But good luck to him. Um, I hope it works out. And we just thank him for the service he's given us. And Dexter, anything to add on that? What's your sort of take on Ericsson? Are you going to wish him well on a new adventure? Or are you just glad to put this whole issue to bed? Well, I think the um, it, it dragged on for far too long, uh, which I don't think it helped. Uh, especially as he he was kept being played and obviously his performances weren't great and I think that was a um, an area of frustration for both Ericsson and the fans at the end of the day I thought felt that um, he kind of made it clear that he didn't want to play for us anymore I felt that he should have been um, kept away from the starting eleven just kept on the bench a bit more and given the Chelsea more of a more of a chance um, and I think that did um, a lot of fans did obviously um, got off very frustrated with that overall. I mean, the man, he's been class for us. I've got, I've got no, um, apart from the last sort of, you know, a few, few months, but his form's dropped. So he can't really complain about it. I mean, the things with Christian Eriksen, if he, if he was on his game, then the team was on their game. I mean, we, we suffered if he didn't play well. Um, I mean, some some of the goals he scored, some of the moments he's given us, um, obviously the, um, the Real Madrid game. Um, I've, I mean, I remember game with his plan against Burnley, it was nil-nil, and he came up with a last-minute winner. Um there's so many things. I mean, he's got a great range of passing. The, the assists he's given us, um, some of the passing has been incredible. That that pass against um, Chelsea, where he knocked that ball to Dele Alli and we scored, is it's brilliant. It's just like you, you can't explain it. He's just one of those special players. Um, but I think now that it, it was war, it's time for him to move on. He wanted to move on. 
Uh, so it's, it's best for concern that he ha- has now got his move. And I feel like the Chelsea can now um, take over. I mean, with the Chelsea, he's got a little bit extra to his game. He can put in, he, watch him play. He's, he, you know, he, he um, t- puts in challenges. He um, uh, presses more than Ericsson did. Um, so I think, I think like, like Carl said, I don't think we're going to mess him too much. Uh, whereas before, if he did sell a player like Ericsson, we would suffer. I mean, I remember when he sold Carrick uh, to Man United and um, we sent, kind of went backwards a little bit. Um, but I don't think we're going to have that now. I think with, with um, the Celso, um, I think he he may not be the ready-made replacement, but I think he's going to get there. Well, Mickey, moving on seems to be exactly what we're doing because it seems to be that we're in for Steven Bergwijn. Now, admittedly, a winger's not what you guess as the main priority at the moment. If you're looking at you know what you need to fill in terms of gaps, maybe not a winger. However, the fact he also has been playing up front in the central role for PSV this season will be a welcome addition. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's important that we do get someone who can who can be a target man. Um, if, if you look at, you know, someone, I think it was uh, Carla Dexter, uh, touched on it earlier about Sonny uh, and Deli Ali, for instance, when they've got a target man up there, um, taking the pressure off of them, it gives them much more freedom to, to, to work their skills and, and create their space. Um, and, and as a consequence, they play so much better because... The onus is not on them two. It's on Harry Kane taking the pressure away from them, dragging two players to mark them, and that then frees up them. So, yeah, uh, if this guy can play as a target man as well, I'm certain it will help Son. I'm certain it will help Delhi. I'm certain it will help Lacelso because he looks like he's got the eye for that uh, threaded pass. The pass he hit to Aurier the other day was quite sensational. The dribble that he made where he beat 47 men and, and rolled Delhi in to roll Son in. You know, it was it was absolutely unbelievable the pace with which he did it at to have such great close control of the ball under such intense pressure as well at full pace was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, a target man would maybe see us recreate the best of those three players. You know, um, because uh, Son and Delhi are not at their best at this moment in time. But if we have a target man there to take the weight of the uh, the older play and etc. Um, I think that will bring that we'll see the best of them come back. Well, Carl, some sources are suggesting it's not necessarily you know Bergvine or Bust. It could be Bergvine and someone else. So we're talking you know Bergvine as a winger and also a centre forward. Can you see that happening? Or will that be somewhat wishful thinking? I'd like to think it will happen because I think it is. You know, I would prefer us to see us have a you know a second natural striker. You know, rather than keep trying to play Son or Mora where I think their better positions are possibly wide coming in. Um, So I would like to see us finally have, you know, someone that can either, you know, play with Kane or we're able to give Kane a rest or even, you know, put two up top if need be. So I'd prefer to see a natural striker come in. I'd like to think they'll get something over the line. Um, But unfortunately, you never know, dear. I've, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't put my mortgage no. on it right no. now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wouldn't blame you either, Cole. You might be homeless by next week if you do. Exactly. So. I don't think the missus would be too happy. I've lost enough money on Spurs over the years, so she wouldn't be too happy with that. So when we talk about the transfer window, you know, we talk about hopeful ins. There might be some outs as well. We touched on one, Christian Eriksen. It looks like there could be a couple more in the fullback department. One of those is Danny Rose. So, Mickey... There's been talk of a loan move uh, to a Premier League club, one of maybe four or five. No sort of permanent deal, but you know, loan to be permanent if it all goes well. Do you think that exit will take place in the next few days? Um, 
I think it should take place. I think that for um, Danny, I think that he might be happier elsewhere. Um, and I know that he's been quote. I think Danny's been uh, a wonderful servant of this football club. Um, but I think that he's voiced uh, his concerns about the club and and the chairman, etc. So therefore, I think it's probably uh, better um, that Danny goes out on loan because. I don't know. I'm not one of these guys who says no. I'm just going to sit in the in the reserves or sit on on the bench and pick up my money. You know, you've got to want to play. So I don't know what's happened or what's gone on behind the scenes. But if Danny sits there and just picks up his money, then I don't think it's very nice. I think he's got to go and get some games in um, or rebuild the relationship that he had with the with the football club. Um, because you know, let's not forget. Like Christian, he has been an excellent service, service servant to this football club. And at times when Walker and uh, Rose were there, um, they were often they were most creative players by the pace they gave us down the flanks. Um, so he's been a great servant. And again, it, it's quite sad that things are possibly coming to an end in not not a nice way. Uh, but if I was him, I would be looking to go and. And, and playing somebody's first team. Ultimately, that's why we're footballers, isn't it? Um, we don't want to sit on the bench and pick up our salary. We want to go and play football because when we were kids, that's what we dreamt of doing. So uh, it might be best for Danny to go and, um, if it has been decided um, that he, 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 he's no longer required, then go, go on loan somewhere until you get a permanent and, and play football because that's what we love. So, Cole, that's a left-back who could be departing in the next few days. We also could have a right-back departing, that being Kyle Walker-Peters, who is set for a low move to Southampton. So, do you think his ship has sailed at the club? Or is this an opportunity for him to go out, get the minutes he actually needs to progress his career, and then hopefully fight for a place next season? Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. Unfortunately, I, I think maybe that the amount of time that's gone, it, it could be that we, you know, if he goes out and loan this season, it may be just one of them where we, we actually don't see him. I, I kind of feel possibly this loan for Carl Walker-Peters has come maybe a couple of seasons too late. I probably feel his development could have been helped by going out on loan a little bit sooner. And, you know, reminiscent to Danny Rose, to be honest, when he first came, you know. We, we kind of had those great loan spells at Sunderland, and I think that really helped him develop as a footballer. Unfortunately, Carl's kind of sat with the squad because Maurizio probably wanted him around the first-team squad. But, you know, I don't think that can kind of, being around the squad, can't replace actual first-team minutes and learning from, you know, actual match play and learning as things, you know, making mistakes in actual real-life games. Um, and as Mickey said, you don't have reserve football anymore. So you either go to the under-freeze where someone like him would just walk it because he's, he's too good for that level. Um, so I do kind of feel, unfortunately... We probably could have done with this loan a couple of seasons ago and he may have been able to come back this season as a much better player all round. Um, I, I do sort of worry that if he goes on loan, I, I think we'll get someone else in for next season at right back. And unfortunately, Carl Walker will probably move on or Carl Walker-Peters will probably move on and his career will kickstart somewhere else rather than us, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that sense. I wouldn't be too surprised if he does go to, say, Southampton, you know, does well there, shines, and then it just gets turned into a permanent move. You mentioned about, you know, when he should have gone out on loan. I know he had that amazing debut against Newcastle, what was it, two, maybe three seasons ago? Maybe later that month, that should have been right. You know, you've also shown you can 
do something good in the Premier League team, go off somewhere else for six months, come back even better. But like you say, I think it's all about timing, really, and he's just missed the boat. So best wishes to him if he does move on. But I think, yeah, unfortunately, not too much to offer in Tottenham Colours. And of course, Mickey, it's been an action-packed week. We shouldn't forget, we actually won a league game as well. So, of course, it was Norwich, bottom of the table. We didn't make too much of an easy fist of it. That said, three points would be very much welcomed at the same time. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, you know, when your confidence is not what it is and you're not playing as well as you can as, a, as an individual and as a team, um, any result plays its part in um, turning it around. Having said that, it's much better to perform well and win I didn't think we performed well on the night, but I wasn't bothered because we won the game um, and and did did enough to win the game against the Norwich side that played some quality football um, and and it wasn't an easy game. But at the end of the day, getting the three points that was that was the be all and end all on the night meant that we could go into the Southampton game or on the Saturday um, and feel confident. Um, you know, confidence is is something that is the key to. Um, winning football games and, and you know if you can get a little run when you're not playing well and, and you you win games playing but sort of nowhere near your best that all goes well for when you rediscover your best and, and and that plays a part in rediscovering your best so the Norwich game for me was a fantastic result and I know they were bottom of the table and a game we should win um, but it wasn't it wasn't a given before the game because you know nobody knows what what we're going to deliver at this moment in time. So it was a great result from the, the perspective of the confidence it would have brought back, um, and it meant we went to Southampton and put on a much better performance. And now we're looking like we could get on a little run in the FA Cup and potentially win it um, at Wembley, which would be lovely. Um, so yeah, it, it was a great three points. Um, not the best performance, but a great three points. And Mickey, I'll stay with you. With Chelsea somewhat in different form, it means the rather faint top four flame still flickers with six points behind them. Do you still see fourth place as a viable achievement this season? 100%. 100%. (laughs) I think that, um, you know, when I look around our squad, I think, wow, we are so much better than what we're delivering. Um, Our players are so much better than what they're delivering. Um, and at some, some stage, these players and this team is going to click into gear again. Um, and I've watched Chelsea, I've watched Man United, the t- our two main competitors um, for that place. Um, and I've got to be honest, I can see them dropping lots of points between now and the end of the season. Um, and all we need to do is find a run of form where we're at our best. And we can beat anybody on our day. Um, you know, but we've just... Lost, we've lost the, we've lost our way a little bit um, defensively, in particular, which I always felt we had the best defence in the league with Toby and Jan at the centre. Um, so we lost our little way defensively, but that'll come back, and it's slowly starting to see signs. You know, I thought like the Liverpool game, for instance. You know, someone, I think it was uh, Dexter or Carl, said about the the pressing earlier. You know, um, well, in the first half we sat off Liverpool and I let them play, and they ran the game. In the second half, when we got at them and put them under pressure and pressed from the front, we could have had four or five goals, um, you know, and, and certainly deserve something out of the game. So uh, I look at it and I see little signs, you know, and it's not going to happen in one game. You know, little steps make big strides and um, and we're taking little steps at this moment in time, um, but we're getting closer to finding some form. Um, and the signs are quite good. Not good yet, but quite good. 
Um, but you know, you've got Southampton, um, and then you go on and you've got you, 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 you've got Man City. Fine, it's going to be a really tough game, but it's a winnable game. Then you've got Southampton. Then you've got you know, it, it, it's games that are winnable that we can win and build confidence. But more importantly than the winning, I suppose, is that we win playing well. That's what I want to see. Because once we've played well and transformed the playing well into a victory, I think that sets us off on a really, really good run. And Cole, if we are to get a run together, we haven't got too many games left. I think we know we're into that last third of the season. So Man City on Sunday, is that a winnable one for you? Um, obviously, I think at the moment, you know, if you look at Man City's form and the fact that they're vulnerable at the back, then I'd like to think that if we, if you know, if we get our attacking game going and start creating the chances that we saw against Southampton, I fancy us to score, and and we could score more than one. Um, obviously, it's just with a team like Man City and the quality that they've got going forward is trying to keep them out at the other end. Um, I don't think you know this is certainly not one of them games, you know where I felt like with Liverpool coming, you kind of felt, well, I don't give us a, a prayer here. Um, in this game, I kind of feel, you know, if we can set the right tempo, and I think as Mickey said earlier, you know, that's not showed them too much respect. Yes, they're City. They've got some great players, but we're also, you know, a great side ourselves and we've got some great players. Let's go at them a little bit, you know, put them under pressure because they are vulnerable there at the back. And, you know, if we can get the early goal and kind of get in front and give ourselves something to hang on to, then I don't see why we can't win it. And as you rightly say, you know, there's, the games are running out or starting to you know, look like they're going to run out. Um, and I think we, you know, it just needs one team now to put a run together of maybe four or five games and you can sign and get yourself in that top four and give yourself a bit of a cushion because everyone else is dropping points every other week. So I'd like to think we, you know, this could be a game where a great result here could set the momentum the right way and get us going on a run that hopefully could push us into that top four. But, you know, it'll be a tight game. It could go either way. You know, we could have one of those nightmare games and City have got the ability to tear you apart. But I think we can cause them enough problems where we could just nick this one. And Mickey, obviously with Jose Mourinho in charge of the club, we have lost to Man United, Liverpool and Chelsea. Does he need something of a, let's say, a statement victory? against the big team. You know, we haven't quite had that yet in the league yet. So is that something that needs to tick off this weekend? Well, I think for the players' uh, mental belief, yes. Um, I, you know, whenever you play in a big game, and I've played in a lot in my time, um, you know, it's a game that you can win and it's a game that you can lose. And um, you can get on a run of defeat or you can get in a run of wins. You know, sometimes it's just the, the momentum and the belief that you gain from winning a big game that gives you the belief to go into the next big game and believe you can win. Um, so it, you know it, none of them are givens even for even though Manchester City Liverpool you know if you looked at the Liverpool game did we deserve to lose that game no and they have romped the league um, but we didn't deserve to lose it we, 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 we actually played very well when we pressed them in the second half so I look at it and I say well you know there's no given in any big game Liverpool v Man City Man City v Man United Chelsea v Arsenal Arsenal v Spurs there's no, no one's a favourite to win Whoever performs on the day wins. Um, but for me, if we could just get a performance, drag a performance out of ourselves, win a big game, it sets us up for the rest of the season. Because the belief that you get, you know, I played, I used to play against the European champions, Liverpool. They were European champions every bloody year. Um, and every time we played them, people used to, but whenever we beat them, I used to think we can beat anybody, you know, because it gives you that belief. Um, and, and we used to beat them 
quite a few times at, at White Hart Lane. Um, not many times at Anfield, mind, but we did beat them once there when I played there. But it gives you a belief that you're a good team, you're good players, and you can go and beat the best. Um, so yeah, if we can, if we can get a result on Sunday. Uh, I'm convinced that we'll get Champions League. Yeah, fingers crossed. That is the exact ignition spot that we need. And I think if we can beat City, then I think you know it is game on really. Right, so we've got about five, ten minutes left, and hopefully, Mickey, you'll be good enough to answer some questions that the uh, listeners. I know Carl's Certainly. got got a few questions as well, so I'll go first to uh, a Twitter one from at JCM Spurs, and he asked, "How hard was it to adjust to life in London after coming down from Sunderland?" Uh, it was very difficult. Very difficult, not because there was anything scary there in London. Uh, it was very difficult because I'd sort of come from a big family, four sisters, two brothers. Mum um, and dad, lots of aunts and uncles, mum, nans and granddads, and and I'd never really ever been away from home or away from my family. So uh, when I used to travel down as a schoolboy with my dad to come down every school holiday, it was easy because my dad was with me and I was always going back. But then all of a sudden I come down as a young 16-year-old full time into this big city called London. I move into digs with complete and utter strangers. Um, it was an incredibly tough time to settle. Um, and often, in fact, I ran off form five or six times. Uh, but the club were magnificent to me. Um, and it enabled me to go home and paid for it and paid for my mum and dad. Uh, drink, uh, f- food money for when I was up there, lodging money. Uh, they used to send me home every 10 days. So every 10th day, I would be back on the train to Sunderland and they'd let me stay at home for five days. And then they'd bring me back for another 10 days and then send me away. And this went on for about 18 months. By the time the 18 months was up, I was totally settled in London, you know. So, uh, but it was fantastic from the club. But yeah, very, very difficult as a kid. And Cole, I know you've got a couple of questions. So the floor is yours to uh, to hit Mickey with some questions. Yeah, Mickey, um, obviously uh, today, you know, knowing you was coming on, watch, watch a little good YouTube montage and scored some great goals for us, you know, and not be funny, there was no tapping in amongst them. Um, and I just wondered, what was your best goal you think you scored for Spurs? I've got two that I think might you might come up with and say were your best, but I just wondered what you felt was your best ever goal you scored for the club. Well, I'm sort of guessing the, the video that you watched on YouTube, um, and I would guess that you'd probably say the one against Bruges. Yeah, that, that was foot, Well done. across it and it sent the keeper one way and swerved into the opposite corner. Um, I, I would probably guess that the one against uh, where I beat two or three men uh, in the in the UEFA Cup. I can't remember who we played. Austria Vienna, was it? That was Someone it, yeah. Like yeah, um, but none of them. None of them. Um, the best goal I ever scored was in my first North London derby uh, at Ivory. And unfortunately, it never got televised because in those days, we weren't allowed to wear adverts on your shirts. And they were sponsored by uh, GVC and they had them on their shirts. So it never got shown. I never saw the goal. But I remember Ricky Villa passing it to me on the off-wheel line. Um, and I beat three players in this run. And uh, John Ollens, um, who was playing right back, come running across to slide in on me as I went to shoot. But I didn't shoot. I just touched it to the side of him. And he went sliding past me. And then I rifled it into the top corner from 20, 25 yards uh, with my left foot. Um, now, I suppose because of where it was, Ivory, because of who it was against the scum, um, obviously it 
probably meant much more to me, but I genuinely believe that was the best goal I ever scored. Um, and, and because it was in my first North London derby, it brings back memories like it was yesterday. And Carl, have you got one more question? So, yeah, one of the other ones, Mickey. Um, I live in Chesant now, and obviously one of the things my dad used to do was bring me on the bus regularly and come down to the old Chesant training ground yeah, where you yeah. could just walk in. And I kind of, you know, reading some books about the 80s, it was really clear that back in them days, the fans and the players built up this bond because, you know, you'd possibly go to a pub where there were supporters. The fact that supporters could just come into the training ground, watch autographs when you'd finished and that. How much did you think that helped build that sort of um, relationship between the fans and the players that I would probably say is missing from today's sort of modern modern game where the fans don't really get that opportunity to kind of build up those relationships with the players? Because it just seemed those 80s, everyone looks back on those with such fond memories. And I think it's because you could kind of get as close as we were able to and, you know, kind of, you know, maybe see the players and kind of feel like, you as one of us, as well as, you know, as well as being a supporter. So I wonder if you think that is something that is missing from today's sort of game that would help the fans and players build up such strong relationships. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the saddest things that I ever uh, think about when I think about the game of football. Um, and it's sad um, because, look, when you have heroes, there has to be some form of distance between the hero uh, uh, and the the person who makes him the hero because if you're on the same level um i um you know you don't you, you don't become an hero for instance i don't have friends who i frequently frequently go out with i don't they i'm not their heroes um but if i go into a pub where I've never been before and there's a Spurs fan in there, I, I might just be his hero and he'll come up and see me. So, so there has to be a distance first and foremost. But the saddest thing about football today is, and, and, and I, I criticise the progression of football when I, when I say this, um, because football has progressed and many, many things are so wonderful about the progressions that the game has made. Uh, stadia, um, football pitches, training facilities... Uh, some of the progressions are quite sensational, but one of the, you know, the one thing you must never do is is forget the great things of the past uh, and never forget what makes you a, a, a great, great club. And while I fully appreciate and understand why there's so much more security around today because we're paying players two hundred thousand pound a week, that you know, they're open to kidnapping and blah 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 blah, blackmail, etc. Um, the one thing that I regret that has happened is that the distance between the fan and the footballer today has become so wide that it's very hard for the fans to, 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 to sort of um, feed part of the players. Uh, in my day, as you rightly say, um, fans would turn up to watch training, no no security to, to stop them coming in. They'd get autographs, pictures, do whatever they could, and that would be on a daily basis. At a game on, on match days, when we finished the game, we'd, we'd come out the gate and there'd be 500 fans waiting for our autographs. We'd pull over the car and get out and sign them up. Uh, we'd go in the local pub and after the game and that's where they'd all be. We'd go to the local nightclub and that's where they'd all be. Um, but I think that it's it, 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 it's, it saddens me because of the players of today. They sort of miss out on that. You know, the, the very people... The very, the very, very people that make you who you are and what you are, uh, and also the football club as well, 
um, the fans, they are, they're the ones that decide how big and how good we are, or how, how big a name we are, or, or how much we're idolised. And they put us on this pedestal. And, and I think that it's very important as a player or as a former player, one thing that I've always prided myself on is, is being part of the fans. Um, as a player, I would stop and sign an autograph for anyone, have a picture done with anyone. Because without them, who was I? Um, you know, I'm, I, without the fans, we're all nothings because it's the fans that put you on that pedestal. So I feel sad for the modern day player that they miss out on something that I absolutely idolise and worship. And, and I know many a player from my era um, absolutely loved and respected the love that they got from the fans and the togetherness that the fans showed. And, 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 and if you actually take it a stage further, when the fans have mixed with you and befriended you and drank with you and sat in a pub with you and, and had their picture taken with you, they're less likely to be slagging you off on the football pitch. You know, but because there's such a gulfing, um, and, and I'm sure there has to be because of, as I've stated earlier, the, the, the blackmail and the, the, the things like that. Um, I think old players of today, they miss out on something that's so special. And it saddens me because I want every player to experience the love of the fans and I want every every fan to experience what what the love of the players, you know, because... Um, it is. It's, it's a magical combination, fans and players. Um, and one with the other, one without the other, just won't do, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was special times, special memories, and I wish um, today's footballers would open up their arms more. To, 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 to I'm sure they do in a, in a different way, but you know, open up their arms and, and sign a photograph, take a picture, and do this to fans because. It's such a, it's so, so special. And then fans will remember it for the rest of their lives. Uh, and it's sad that the game's developed that way and, and, and sort of forgot about the great thing of the past. But, hey, who knows what, what I'd be like if I was playing today. So this is not a criticism of today's players. It's just the way the game's developed. And, but I do feel that it's developed and missed out on something that's just so special. And Mickey, one final question. It's from Stephen J. McIver, and he asks, quite simply, what was your greatest moment in a Spurs shirt? Greatest moment in a Spurs shirt? You have many. There's many, many, many of them. And, 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 and obviously, your, your greatest moments are awfully, often fueled by your greatest down. Um, you know, if you follow a great down with a great moment, it's, it's, it makes it that much better because you've got to experience the bad to make the, the great great. Um, greatest moments, my debut. I'll never forget my debut. I'll never forget running down Tottenham High Road, um, getting into the nearest phone box, ringing my mum and dad. I'm actually bringing a lump in my throat when I think about it now. Um, and ringing my mum and dad and telling them just, you know, that I was making my debut. Um, and my mum screaming down the phone, um, holding the phone about five foot from my ear because she was so excited. That was an incredible moment and again involving my parents walking out at Wembley in the FA Cup final um, and looking up at my mum and dad and seeing them that you know a mum and dad's wishes for their child children or that they want nothing but the best for their child um, so when my mum and dad looked down at Wembley and saw me walking out the tunnel uh, I just can't imagine how they were feeling with pride and um, excitement it must have been incredible for them as it was for me to see them so proud. Um, but the greatest moment of all, I have to say, was 
the UEFA Cup final. I'd scored the winner in the semi-final, which was an incredible moment. But it's, that's from a selfish point of view, I would choose that. But uh, from a club perspective, I'd have to say the greatest moment was playing at White Hart Lane in front of 40,000 Spurs fans in the UEFA Cup final and winning it in Keith Birkenshaw's last game. Um, I'd been picked for the full England squad that week. Um, so I was travelling up to Scotland after the game to play against Scotland at Hampden Park. So it was a week of weeks, really, in football. But the UEFA Cup final surpassed anything, um, you know, live on TV. Um, the way that we won it, the last, very last kick of the game with Tony Box saving the penalty, I thought it was just... Um, I, can, I can actually see it in my mind's eye as I sit chatting to you now. And I can see me running down the pitch to catch up with Tony Parks um, to celebrate. The celebrations went on till six o'clock that morning. Uh, the following morning, I, I caught an immediate flight the following morning up to Scotland um, with Graham Roberts, Gary Mabbott and Danny Thomas. It was just so, so special. And, and, and to see Tottenham High Road um, filled with 40,000 Spurs fans singing, dancing, um, as we went to the, the room by the clock and looked out and the fans were singing our know, names and chanting. And, um, you know, and the one thing I say is don't ever, ever let um, or forget that the game is about the glory because when you experience that, you've just achieved glory. Um, and all those fans in that IRO will never, ever forget it. It was amazing. Um, yeah. That was my greatest memory. I, I, I still have nightmares of Ozzy hitting the bar from that. Oh, you do. Blimey. <laughs> well, Graham Roberts, Graham Roberts always says, Ozzy, thanks. He said, you made me an hero forever. Because uh, obviously, Ozzy hit the bar, got clear to me. I whipped it back in onto Robbo's air, air chest and he scored. Robbo became a hero because Ozzy missed him, you know. Um, <laughs> But how did he miss? Oh, nightmare moment how now, isn't miss? it? Two yards out against the bar. It, you're thinking, that's it. Game done. Well, I never thought that. I, I think I've only ever thought that twice in my life. Once in my life, sorry. And that was uh, Ajax away last season. When the keeper <laughs> had the ball in his hands for a goal kick with 35 seconds to go. I thought, I gave up. That was it. <laughs> Taught me a lesson. Never give up. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic, Mickey. Right, I think that wraps up the end of the show. I think we've uh, gone into 60 minutes plus, so fantastic effort. I think Dexter's must have gone off injured, so I don't think we had any subs. So, Dexter, thanks for your time this evening. Mickey, thank you for your time. That was an absolute pleasure. guys. Ple absolute pleasure. Cole, as always, thank you for your time. We'll be doing it again next week, I hope. Brilliant. Thanks, Dan, and, and thanks for your time, Mickey. That was brilliant tonight. No worries, Cole. Pleasure, mate. One last bit of admin before we wrap up the show. Of course, if you love the show, which I hope you do, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us get up the league table. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.